first, are you happy with the sound? It's a Zoom thing though, isn't it? If you want to look like you make an effort, not like John. Yeah, John. Bloody effort, mate. Hey, this is an effort. This is not one of my free, you know, branded t-shirts from a cloud provider. This is one of my very own t-shirts that I bought myself. You're wearing a shirt today. Yeah. Oh, it's useless. Didn't mean to, apologies. It's the filter, Ryan, that's what it is. Completely naked. Have you never seen Shirt filter. Right? Oh my god, Ryan, you do look a lot. You look cleaner. I don't like this. It's just like you've had a wash. Yeah, I know, it's not me at all. Well, zero compassion there from, from one of your fellow podcasters. And, and John's light is blinding, so um, <laughs> I need to just stop looking at it. Hold on. But staring at the sun. <laughs> well, that's a good yellow, then. There you go, it's kind of like a digital yellow. Okay, hi, welcome to Digitals in a Cruel World, an original podcast which explores the world of tech, apps, and digital adoption in the accounting and business world. If you've enjoyed listening to our previous episodes, then hopefully you'll enjoy the following one, but also make sure you spread the word about the pod, tell your friends, make sure that you spread it on LinkedIn and wherever else you can do. Um, this is the perfect podcast we think for you to spread, spread the word with and to share with your friends, anyone that's interested in technology. It's what we're all about. Uh, perfect for long journeys down to the south of France as well. Uh, by subscribing, if you get the chance, it also means that you get all the episodes landing in your phone or a podcast app, whatever it is that you use, automatically as they drop uh, whenever we get the chance to get them out there. Today, we've got really exciting guests. We've got David Tuck, formerly of Chaser, about to launch a really new exciting app. But first, Ryan, how's your week gone? What's going on with you? It's good, thanks. Uh, John, obviously excited to do another podcast with you, mate. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a while. It's been a while since we got together and I think a lot's gone on, but my week, I just, I'm just exhausted. So, um, if I'm awake by the end of this, it'll be, it'll be a plus. You'll, you would have kept me entertained, John. Excellent. Well, just, just for clarity, we are filming in the evening for a change. We normally do it in the afternoon, but, uh, because, uh, Indy is our international woman of mystery this week and she's, she's leading her usual jet set lifestyle. Where are you Indy and what are you up to? I'm in Barcelona right now. Um, I should be out enjoy, enjoying some sangria and um, tapas, but I thought I'd spend my evening with all of you. Amazing. And uh, just for reference, Indy put her back out carrying her own bags, which she doesn't normally do. So you know, that, that explains a lot, doesn't it? And last but not least, <clears throat> our amazing guest, David Tuck. How are you, David? What's going on? Hi John, hi everyone. Uh, thrilled to, to be here. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very well, um, very well. Thank you. Uh, off uh, on Friday uh, for a week for for half term. Uh, so got a sort of ten hour drive um, with with three kids in the back uh, down to the south of um, France in Burgundy, which is going to be which is going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, all life is life is really good. Uh, making some really good progress on um, on May Day, which is uh, my my next venture. Um, had a great kind of round of, of demo feedback across the last couple of weeks, including um, a highlight of that, obviously, John, being um, being the feedback session with you. Um, so, yeah, feeling in really great shape and just getting started um, on work with the build of our, our first product, Mayday Recharger, with a goal of getting um, a sellable product live for Christmas. Excellent. That sounds very exciting, David. And um, as Ryan said, it's uh, been a busy few weeks, lots of news going on. So we'll launch into that in a second. Okay, moving on to our app news part of the pod. Uh, Ryan, I think you've got some news on the big three. Yeah, definitely. And those big three being QuickBooks Online, Sage Business Cloud and Zero, um, which is in case no one else apart from John refers to them as the big three. Um, so, so um, yeah, what we got. So there's been a few releases or updates um, over the last month. Uh, QuickBooks Online um, have actually done quite a lot in their QuickBooks Online Advanced tool but that's US specific, so I'm not going to delve into that. Something that they've brought out for all their product is the ability to accept deposits on estimates. So raising an estimate, you can ask for a deposit, that comes in and instantly creates um, an invoice um, to record the tax on it. Sage Business Cloud have finally uh, released bank rules and the ability to bulk delete transactions that are imported. Um, so you can get a lot more automation from your bank, um, your bank process and zero. Few from zero, um, a few little tweaks, little changes 
Uh, zero expenses have now been brought into the Zero Me app, so as well as timesheets, etc. Um, you've got the expenses for the individuals that you bring in, uh, your individual employees you bring in. They've got a lot of work going on in the reports packs. Um, I'm not going to delve too much into that because it's all stuff coming down in the future, but they've put in a lot of work into reporting. There's an app launcher that's coming out. It's in beta at the moment. So in the top right hand corner of Zero, you can um, basically click a box and select the apps you're connected to in it opens those so you can access everything from within zero that'll be coming soon and zero have also now got an advanced square integration um they've they're turning off the old ones there's a new one in place and they're turning off the old one in november so if you're working with um square through zero change over because otherwise you're going to lose your feed that's it for me super thanks ryan uh india i think you've got some updates on fundraisers and stuff there's quite a few that have come into um, the market landscape in the last six weeks. So um, in sixth place, uh, and it's again based on the raise and not a reflection of how, of how good we think it's going to be, uh, is Vine um, with a seed round funding of 15.5 million. John, I think that's your sweet spot of <laughs> open banking, which I know that you know a lot more about. So I don't know if you have some more intel it's totally my favorite topic at the moment until I get bored of it. Um, so yeah, Vine are effectively building a, a, an open banking platform, uh, particularly sort of aimed at, at merchants. So they're wanting to, uh, you know, provide open banking services, but really sp specifically focused on payments and, um, you know, looking to, I suppose, build out that modern technology on, on something that's quite quite old, if you like, in terms of, you know, those, those card and uh, uh, EPOS systems that we see, which, which tend to be a little bit clunky and running an old tech. So very exciting, uh, not something that we'll necessarily see front and center from, from the clients that we're working with, but certainly something that will be built into the services that they're going to be using in the future. Great. And then in um, fifth place, we have Atomic, a payroll API provider. It's raised $22 million in a Series A, taking its total to $39 million to date. Uh, Atomic aims to give users more control of their income by allowing users to connect it to different services, such as setting up a direct uh, debit or direct deposit at a neobank. I don't know if you have any experience, guys, with Atomic at all, or what you think it could do for the accounting space. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite excited about this. Uh, it's very much kind of a US focused product at the moment. And but what, what they're trying to do is really uh, provide connections into payroll solutions, as Indy said, uh, but with a way that is going to allow uh, you know the end users, so the people being paid, to sort of do what a few other people are doing at the moment, which is to be able to draw down your salary almost as it's earned. Uh, so I think we've mentioned Wage Stream over here in the UK. They do something very similar, and there's a couple of other apps in the space. And um, yeah, I think it's it's really exciting. And and the more products that we see in this kind of space, you know, the more competitive it's going to be, and the the, the better service that, that people like you and I who, who are receiving a wage will will get hopefully. And then in fourth place, we have Rewind, a data backup and recovery platform for uh, SaaS applications. It's raised $65 million in a Series B round. Um, I think the, ma the main pull here is as more businesses become reliant on cloud tools and data stored within them, backups are going to be more of a standard practice for both data and business continuity purposes. Um, pre previously, they've worked with you know, bigger um, software enterprise level platforms such as Salesforce, but there's still an obligation that the um, business themselves has some level of versioning control that they can roll back to yeah I'm, I'm i think rewind's an interesting tool it's definitely more prevalent over in the us than the uk at the moment um i think the main one that i compare this to that people might be aware of in the uk is back up my books um and rewind was very focused on quickbooks online but i think following um this raise they've now started developing backup for about 12 other major cloud Providers, um, including Zero, um, so I think we're going to see a lot more of them in the UK over the coming months and years. And then third place we have TrueLayer, uh, 130 million dollars. Um, again, John's favourite subject, open banking. <laughs> so I'm going to hand it over. Uh, yeah, and and because 
uh, India's unicorn shy. This does take um, this does take true layer up to unicorn status with this latest round. So, uh, you know, huge congratulations to to the team there and you know product that's you know not been around for a lot long in reality. Um, true true layer for those that don't know, effectively is building a technology platform. Um, that is enabling other people to build on their their technology to to utilize open banking. So that might be to initiate payments. It might be to do things that you'll see in things like Zero and QuickBooks online to connect bank feeds, for example. And um, the reason for this funding is they've spent a huge amount of time, um, you know, uh, opening up their position in, in Europe and the UK, um, and then are, are trying really to open up the US uh, and. In a in a similar way to uh, to Vine as well, really looking at opening up payment services in particular uh, in new markets. So that's definitely the, the the growth, the big growth place at the moment is, is payments. You know, we're seeing lots of new apps, it's certainly in the UK, uh, and as you can see, some of the really big players are now expanding uh, internationally to to open that space up even further. And in second place, we have SendCloud, which is a Dutch-based e-commerce shipping platform. It's plotting its expansion in the UK after raising uh, 127 million pounds um, in fresh funding. So it takes it up to around 175 million dollars. Uh, Series C financing. So they've launched here a year ago with 15 employees out of their 400 um, that are based in the UK. And SendCloud helps online businesses fully optimize their shopping process um, used by 23,000 merchants. Um, it's a multi-carrier platform that simplifies uh, flexible delivery. So, for example, in the UK, it's connected up carriers such as Royal Mail, Hermes, and um, also cross-border delivery into even parcel lockers, um, which, fun fact, I happen to work on one of the early e-commerce parcel locker solutions in the UK alongside Amazon Locker just before the launch. Um, so it is nice to see a great carbon-friendly delivery option becoming more mainstream. Yeah, and I, I think this is really exciting that they're opening up here in the UK and, and going to expand. Uh, you know, I think both Ryan and I do quite a lot of work in the sort of um, uh, the, the verticals where you're looking at businesses that are shipping both both in the UK and internationally, uh, particularly around those that, that are either wholesaling or, or manufacturing stock. And you know, we've seen products like Unleashed and, and some of the others in that space integrating with shipping businesses and 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 uh, people like Royal Mail, etc. And it's it's absolutely integral to a business that has uh, you know stock or products that they need to move around the world to their customers. Um, and, and anything that makes it easy for them is going to be it's going to be good for everyone. And then in first place, we have Airwallex, uh, a zero app, which makes reconciliation easier. Um, they create bank feeds in zero for single and multi-currencies. Um, it's a Series C, uh, sorry, it's a Series E raise of $200 million, uh, bringing its total raise value to $702 million. Um, to date against a four billion valuation. So what is a unicorn times four, John? I I don't know. It's uh, uh who knows? There's gotta be a, a, a quatricorn. A quatricorn. Brilliant. So 800 employees with um, a mission to build global finance financial infrastructure and applications to help customers uh, grow. Again, without borders and restrictions, um, they're currently experiencing 40 to 50% growth in the UK, where they um, are hoping to double down their efforts. Yeah, John and I um, caught up with them at a digital accounting show, um, and you can tell they're, they're definitely putting a lot more investment in the UK. Um, it's definitely an interesting tool. They've got an awful lot going on inside their platform. Um, so as well as dealing with foreign currency transactions, um, you've got... Um, You've got virtual cards, physical cards. Um, they they cover a lot. I think they're going to rival, um, I guess, solutions that individually focus in specific areas by bringing everything in one place. And that's all from the raises. Cool. Uh, thanks indeed. That that wraps up everything on the fundraisers that we've got to talk about. Uh, now we've got some general updates on products that are out there in the market that most people will be familiar with. So 
Uh, I've got a quick one. BTC have just announced an integration with Pixie. Um, so for those that don't know, Pixie's practice management software uh, really gained some, some good ground uh, in, a, in a very competitive market around small practices in particular. BTC is um, an accounts and tax production suite of software, but doesn't really have much in the way of practice management. So this is a really good fit uh, for, for the two products. Um, and, and it's certainly the way that we're starting to see the market moving is these collaborative uh, endeavors between products, trying to build a suite of products that best of breed for practices. Uh, Ryan, I think you've got a quick update. Yeah, so you know, I love covering things that are new to the, the app stores and app marketplaces. And there was a couple that caught my eye um, over the last month. We've got uh, Planyard, um, which has come in as a new, um, new member of the app store, which is a construction project management app. Um, and what I'm starting to see is actually a lot more of these. For quite a while in the app store or app marketplaces, it was you would have lots of trade management apps, but nothing really of any depth in the in the construction side. You have the odd one or two, but we're seeing quite a few in this this space. And Planyard is a good example of that. And then on the QuickBooks Online side, we've got Weave, um, which is a uh, all-in-one customer communication platform dealing with messages, phone calls, forms, payments, etc. So covering the, the pretty much the whole suite. And they've developed the integration into QuickBooks Online. We're starting to see a few, um, I guess, more apps in this space as well. And it's definitely some that John and I get involved in. And I think we're going to, you know, see some more that come out on the App Store or the, you know the app marketplaces over the next the next month or so. Moving on to something else that's really super exciting as well is that um, the FCA and Bank of England have announced that they're going to start deploying blockchain for regulatory reporting. So uh, the regulatory reporting side of it's probably a bit boring, but you know, really integral to you know the whole uh, operation of financial services in in the UK. And they're setting aside a 120 million pound budget for for that. So it's uh, an exciting time, and and really they're going to be focusing on two things. Really, one is building up. Uh, how to report through blockchain and the use of API technology to uh, connect regulatory systems together. So uh, for anyone that works in the space, they'll probably know that regulatory reporting in this space can be extremely painful uh, and it can be quite manual as well. So anything that makes that process easier, more streamlined is good for the businesses that operate in that space, but equally good for regulators because they're going to have better information, better quality information, and it's going to be coming to them quicker and uh, and, and be more useful to them to analyze for, for risks. Um, Indy, I think, um, have you got a few other bits? I noticed on LinkedIn, It's Settled and Swoop announced a partnership. Uh, good news for most of us that work in the receivable space. Uh, they clearly have kind of got their eye on the ball with um, what needs to happen when it comes to managing credit control and how that links very nicely to the financing side of it. If you're a Swoop customer, then it means that you'll get um, a heavily discounted subscription to It Settled for the next four months. Like the first month is free and then you get um, a reduced fee for the next three months. So for all those who are Swoop customers, it might just be something that's quite interesting. For all those who aren't, then maybe it's just something to consider that there is something um, in that credit control accounts receivable piece that seems to be growing more and more. Yeah, yeah, I think um, for those of you that have not come across It's Settled or Swoop, um, they're both, I guess, relatively new to the, the Calicane space, even though they've been around for a while. I just don't think they've gone down that, that, accountant, um, that accountant channel. And so they're, they're, they've been quiet to us, but um, they're, they're doing a lot at the moment. So It's Settled are building quite a few um, integrations into similar products. Um, so they're the credit control facility, but with the, you know, the full chasing. So if, if the system can't bring in the debt, they guarantee that they will chase in that debt for you. So interesting goes kind of that step beyond the likes of um, Chaser and Fluidly from a debt chasing point. And then um, Swoop are more than just capital advisory. They've gone into kind of grant um, grant advisory as well. And it looks like now with these partnerships, they're trying to work out that, as you said, the whole receivable space. So really interesting products. And I think we're going to hear a lot more about them over the, the coming months as well. Ryan, I almost skipped you, but I think there's one other little bit for, from you. Well, a little bit. I think it's an understatement, John. Um, so this was Intuit buying Datadeer, or I guess um, more accurately, the technology acquisition of Datadeer. From this, they are basically buying the ability to build into Excel. So Datadeer, for those of you that haven't come across it, um, has always been a brilliant partner of Xero uh, that 
that it links in through the API of Xero and pulls and pushes data via Excel. So with the likes of making tax digital and, dig and make tax digital digital links, the ability to push information in and, and make yourself compliant if you couldn't have your program connected directly into Zero. Um, this was a brilliant tool for that. And it looks like QuickBooks went, ah, we're not gonna build this, let's just buy it. Um, their, their typical thing of identifying a great partner and bringing the technology in. We had a quick catch up call with our QuickBooks account manager a couple of weeks ago and he was sort of saying that it's gonna be pushed out into the advanced product, which I think is US only for the time being, but is expected to come into the UK, hopefully in the next uh, next few months. And <clears throat> I, I think it's a it's a really interesting you know, development this, isn't it? We're seeing um, you know, QuickBooks and, and Sage and, and, and Zero now as well, all making a lot of work and a lot of noise around reporting. QuickBooks has uh, historically sometimes taken a bit of a battering for its reporting, maybe not being quite as good as, as some of the products out there. Um, so it is, it is an interesting move that all three of these, these products are moving and moving to focus a bit more, bit more on on reporting and how you do that. I'm not aware of really anything that rivals data deer in this space. So there's a there's going to be a lot of reliance on the people that are using this. They're not really got anywhere else to go. So if Fintrid do shut this down, how do we solve? I guess those problems um, of that that digital link, um, where you know if there, there's no native integration, there's usually been a workaround by utilising a tool like data deer. So. Yeah. concerning but um let's let's hope that they they see the value in that keeping that connection yeah it's interesting isn't it i mean i think zero do have a very basic kind of you know excel sort of integration for for mtd for vat but um i don't know how well used it is you know amongst amongst other accountants and other i think we use it for for one client and that's, that's about it so you know that's uh less than one percent of our of our overall users but um yeah, it's an interesting place. I mean, I, I think also, you know, my other feelings on this is that, um, you know, we've seen in the past that Sage have built integrations with Office 365 and, and some of the reporting tools that are in there. And, and still there are complaints about the quality of the reporting or the reporting, you know, not being structured in a way that's, that's easy to use. So, uh, you know, I suppose Intuit and QuickBooks need to kind of learn those lessons and, and make the best use of the technology that they're getting here. Um, and then I've got one last piece of news. It's the one, the one we've all been waiting for, the big, the big one, uh, which is that um, Sage have acquired GoProposal. Um, so I mean, this, this I think for a lot of people came almost completely out of the blue. I, I saw Paul Barnes at uh, Accountex North a couple of weeks ago, and he was looking very pleased, but I couldn't quite work out why. And now, I, now I know why. Um, so uh, I think, I think the deal's been. Uh, sort of undisclosed in terms of how how big it is, um, but uh, fascinating acquisition by Sage. Um, you know they're buying uh, you know a great team of people, uh, a piece of a piece of technology that really only has maybe one or the one or two other direct competitors with it in the in the accounting space. Um, and and I think it's an interesting move. You know there are rumours that Sage are really looking to now push. Uh, in a similar way that we talked about before, they're looking to push on that practice management side on about making their practice technology much more capable. Uh, and and I, I wonder if Go proposals, this acquisition of Go proposal is the first step on, you know, really, really making some waves in this space. I think it's also an interesting one in that I believe Go proposal have, you know, a lot of um, quite dedicated users, ones that are, you just, it's very, unless they fundamentally strip the product, that are very unlikely to leave. And so you're bringing those into your space. Um, and, you know, if you're going to um, be talking to them a lot, as it's powered by Sage already, um, you, you can start putting other products there and hopefully win some of those clients over. So I think it's it's a, a bit of a marketing strategy as well as, as building out that tech stack. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they've got a lot of convincing I do, to do, I think, um, in, in the Sage team to really bring people over. We should say, you know, congratulations to the team there. You know, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a product that I think they built five years ago. I started building five years ago between Paul and Paul and James. And, um, you know, for, to go from from nothing to, to selling to, you know, one of the biggest, you know, accounting technology uh, you know, providers in the world is, is, you know, really staggering. So it's a really impressive feat. Luckily, I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've even got to the point where, where Ryan and I are now managing 
the co-parenting that Indy has to do <laughs> when we do start wittering on. David literally just tunes out. It's just like, yeah. I've switched them off. I just want you to put a, put a bow around it. I've already come up with putting pottery corn, for Christ's sake. Meteorite that comes out of the sky and obliterates all of planet Earth, but leaves all the accountants behind. Floating in space. <laughs> Floating in space, but they must complete the tax return. So, on uh, this show, we've got David Tuck. Um, hi, David. For uh, those that don't know David, um, which surely can only be a handful of people in the accounting space now, uh, David used to be the um, owner of Chaser. But before that, I wonder, David, if you can just delve into pre life pre-Chaser for us. Yeah, sure thing. And thanks very much for, for having me here. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm 15 years into my career now. I spent the first five uh, in, in practice qualifying as an accountant with Deloitte, did their grad scheme and worked in worked in tax there, did the did the ACA Chartered Accountants qualification. Uh, and then uh, for my sins, did the uh, did the Chartered Tax Advisor qualification to boot. Wow. So, yeah, very much more qualified than me, David, um, I have to admit. Um, and then you went and built an app. Um, so something must have inspired you to do that. Could you kind of talk a little bit about um, why you went down that route and um, why pick that topic and what, um, I guess, Chaser became? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of missed out a step in between. So I, I was in practice for five years, then did three years sort of in a, um, a succession of uh, industry startup SME finance leadership roles, um, all of which were, were businesses that sold uh, on payment terms, which is, is relevant to what we'll come on to with, uh, with Chaser. And I've always been, always been entrepreneurial from, um, from a, a young age. Uh, my, my first business was, well, business is probably a generous term, um, was, was age six, um, going, going door to door selling pine cones in our, uh, in our local cul-de-sac. And so, yeah, I've wow. always had that, had that bug and uh, was really lucky worked for worked for some great founders um in my last kind of industry finance role um which was a travel and lifestyle social network called wayne which stood for where are you now uh worked for some great founders there who are really generous in um in opening my eyes opening doors to the the london tech startup ecosystem and <clears throat> i was 29 i was getting married the uh, the next year and it was a kind of now or net you know if i don't do it now um, yeah. you know, when will I when will I do it? So it was right place, right time. And I'd started using cloud accounting in in that job. Um, and so you know, discovered the existence of and the concept of an ecosystem within that. And so and, and so I jump in though, the, when you say you're using cloud accounting, was that a specific tool? Yeah, so we we're using zero way. Um having used kind of line 50 in my, my previous in um, sage line 50 in my previous uh, industry finance role and yeah conceived of how credit control as a as a painful process that i've been responsible for as a finance leader uh, could be done could be done differently uh, and looked around couldn't see you know a solution that was doing a great job of it and thought well um this is this is my opportunity and so that obviously um what i guess would have been the the birth child of chaser but could you give us a little bit of a feel for how those early years were, some milestones throughout that process, and then what triggered the, I guess, the end of that journey for you? Sure. So, I mean, to put some dates on it, so it was autumn 2013 when uh, left my, my last full-time finance director role, found uh, a contractor to work with to build the first prototypes uh, and that went really well you know across multiple rounds of, of testing and then you know it was clear that we had a really kind of powerful product there um, and so mark who was the contractor working with um left his, his kind of full-time job and this was june 2014 we then launched in, in august 2014 a couple of months later and then raised a first round of venture capital led funding of 500,000 pounds in, in April 2015 off the back of really like great solid uh, kind of early adoption I think the stat was something like you know the first uh, 55 or so of our active free trialists converted into uh, into paying users um, so that was that was really positive then um, then won zeros at partner of the year award um, in 2016 um, and this was back in the day where basically, you know, Receipt Bank, as it was then, used to win it 
you know all the different awards around the globe so it was um it, you know it was pretty sort of um groundbreaking for anyone other than receipt bank to win a, a zero app partner award um so that was uh that was fantastic um and then yeah you know a succession of, of kind of other um you know milestones long way we won the um the accounting web um cloud app of the year award three years in a row um 2017 through um through 2019 um which was great and um you know did a lot of things uh kind of really really well in terms of working with accountants and bookkeepers um as um as partners um as a, as a kind of route to market and um, helping them use um use chaser um for their um for their clients um and yeah kind of raised another couple of um, rounds of funding, uh, one in uh, autumn 2018, uh, and then another um, just uh, before the middle of, um, of 2019, um, to, to be able to, um, to, to grow the business and the team. Yeah, and um, I, I, I've definitely not been with you throughout this full journey, but I feel like I've known you for quite a while, David. You were, um, you know, the face of Chaser. Um, it was your baby, and unlike a lot of the other um, apps out there I guess you, your passion for the product really came through all the events um, and you know it was it was really interesting to see your journey um, but I guess the bit that I know less about and I don't know how comfortable you feel talking about it but the, the it must be a been a challenge for you coming to kind of the end of that journey and is there any kind of insights you could give to us on um, how that came about why you decided that actually maybe this is the, the time to move on well I mean you know Getting fired was the first part. Of it. <laughs> uh, um, no, no, like, um, <clears throat> yeah, like I've you know been doing it for for seven years, and um, with the benefit of hindsight, I probably allowed myself to get um, a little bit kind of you know stuck and kind of tunnel yeah. um, tunnel vision with it. And um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you you kind of go out and um, raise capital from people, and you know, um, they'll have expectations and um you need to kind of you know deliver on that and sometimes you know expectations will be aligned and all kind of goes great and sometimes those those expectations will not be aligned and and at the end of the day you know it's a kind of recipe for um for straight jacketing um you know yeah. unless something kind of kind of gives and 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 ultimately in that equation you know, the kind of the only thing that that could give would, um, you know, was was me. It's not like you know, going to buy anyone out. Don't have the capacity to do that, and therefore, you know, it's in everyone's interest to to kind of um, to to find a solution. Yeah, but I guess um, you know, through that entire process, you've you've learned an awful lot, got an awful lot of experience of taking something from tiny to to big. I'm really interested in in how did you find those customers? You know, how did you go about finding some customers for a, for a brand new app that no one really heard of? So it was a combination of just so you know the first customers we found from when I turned went to Zerocon September 2013 and met a bunch of people and then stayed in touch with them and they you know. I mean, it's a funnel here, right? Like quite a few of them dropped off, but then, you know, there were, um, there were some who kind of um, stayed the course, straight, couldn't get rid of me, who became beta testers and then became early customers. And then, you know, started within that very sort of defined kind of zero accounting partner, early adopter world, you know, who were active on, you know, now LinkedIn is a lot more prominent, but back then it was very much Twitter. So who are the ones who are most active? And then, you know, you you found ways to kind of, you know, leverage the early adopters you already had to get intros to other people. And then, um, you know, when the opportunity arose to, you know, do zero events, went there and was fortunate enough to build some really good relationships with, um, you know, the sort of zero uh, sort of senior account um, manager um, teams. So, you know, people like Glenn Foster, Cat Bond, um, Ian Phillips. And, you know, so was was kind of really, sort of fortunate in in that regard but um i you know it was nothing kind of more complicated than a combination of like massively over serving those early users um such that you kind of had you know positive like they were positively inclined towards you plus you had some stuff in the goodwill bank account um to make the ask for um for introductions um to to other people who could be um good early adopters yeah 
Interesting. Moving on from Chaser, I've seen you around doing a lot of consulting roles for different apps. Um, you know, Connect4 is one of those. Um, and I assume that's been a little bit of your, I guess, your baby for a while, is helping those apps learn um, about the like, what you've learned through that process. Would that be a, a good... Yeah, experience? absolutely. Like, I've really, I've really, really um, loved the opportunity to do that. I wasn't really too sure what I'd do when I left Chaser the middle of um, middle of last year um, and uh, kind of applied for a couple of jobs, which thankfully I didn't get because that absolutely with hindsight I can see clearly now like wasn't what I um wasn't what I wanted to do but it's been really great to have the opportunity to um to to kind of do that um consulting work and you know firstly to consolidate you know my learnings but also um so my my wife Jess and I had our um our third child our daughter Alice back in um back in December so when I <clears throat> when I left chaser we we um we agreed uh kind of very early on that there was only room um in the house for for one new baby um yeah. and therefore um that the next startup baby would need to wait until um the, the second half of 2021 at the earliest and so you know having that ability like you know but let's be clear that the kind of consulting work was sort of born out of a necessity of i've got a gap but actually i've really yeah. i've really really loved it um, I've really loved that opportunity to work with a real range of businesses, some like Connect4 at the very, very, you know, start of their journey, which has been great for me, you know, in the context of now going back and, and, and starting uh, my next thing myself, but to work with businesses at the kind of other end of the spectrum, you know, some like much bigger, more established businesses who are looking to either come to the UK and focused on accountants as a route to market or develop accountants as a you know as a channel to market that they haven't focused on previously you know it's just been it's been great to have the opportunity to work with such a a rich array of um of really exciting businesses there's a lot of brands that are trying to sell into accountants right now as a channel and david being given that you've worked both sides so you've been the accountant who's been sold to yeah. but also with chaser and working with other brands one of the things that I found interesting from having spoken to you is this um, seven-year itch that you've oh, spoken yeah. about. Could you give us all a little teaser, um, perhaps just the top three pieces of advice that you would give to apps that are looking to sell into accountants at the moment? Uh, so my top three pieces of advice. Um, so the, the first one, this really may sound like kind of counterintuitive but like question whether it's the right channel for you at all um you know i i kind of talk myself out of i find myself talking myself out of consulting work quite a bit with people because there just seems to be this received wisdom of okay we've got a product you know we've got an sme product therefore we must do accountants and you know accountants must be a really important channel from to market for us and you know i think you've just got a really question you know is this something that like how is an accountant ever going to you know bring up your product in conversation with a client like what's the scenario where that comes up because in so many of the times where I've spoken to you know kind of whatever technology products it's just that, that it's just so far out of anything that would resemble an accountant's core competency you know maybe you've got one or two here or there for whatever reason because they've just you know taken a fancy to it and you've gotten well with that you know they you've got well with them but like in general you, you've just got to really question that are accountants right for me at all? Um, the second one is be really, really clear on 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 like how how are you expecting accountants to to work with you? I break it down into this model of um, you know three things: awareness, uh, AIU, awareness, um, introduction, and use. Um, you know, awareness is it just you want accountants to be able to kind of talk about you if it comes up in conversation, know about you if a client kind of comes in with a conversation use at the other end of the spectrum that's where you're you know you're a practice app you help them deliver a service that they are already delivering you know in either more like um you know more profitably or you're able you enable them to deliver it in a better way than they've been able to do previously um and then and, and that, that kind of um you know that the eye of that introduced that links to the kind of the, this idea of the seven client itch whereby you know any app that's applicable to a like 
a big enough percentage of any accountant's client base, you know, we'll get seven clients. And the seven, you know, the seven is just an arbitrary number that I've come up with because it sounds catchy because you can do the play on words with the film. Um, but, you know, there'll always be a small number of your client, of, of the firm's clients who come and they've asked about it. And so, you know, the accountant in that situation doesn't want to look stupid. They need to have something, you know, they need to be able to answer that question when a client comes and says, I've got this real problem with my detonating my credit control. You know, what, are there any good technology solutions for this? You know, the accountant wants to have an answer to that question. They don't want the kind of tumbleweed. But that is a million miles away. And this is that idea of the seven clients. That's a million miles away from the accountant proactively going out and saying, hey, you know, let's have a meeting so that I can tell you about this kind of software that you should be using. Um, because that's like that's such a huge departure, um, you know, it's such a huge reach for the client to be in a situation where they're sort of proactively recommending. And that's the third thing. So, you know, our account's the right channel for you at all. And all of these are interlinked, awareness, introduction, or use. And the third one is like the number of times and I kind of pull my hair out and I just feel like a broken record clients not customers the number of times people in there like marketing people are like, you know accountants wouldn't you like to like help your customers with their whatever and you're like no no accountant will ever refer to their customers they'll refer to their clients you know and I'll make that point which is a terminology point but that terminology point is kind of you know that's the visible tip of this huge iceberg because that iceberg of client versus customers is why accountants don't work like conventional partnerships where it's like, you know, it can be about the numbers and it's, oh, how many customers have we got? How many can we upsell to this? You know, for the accountant, that's not how they're looking at their clients. They're not looking at them as like an additional kind of, you know, monetization opportunity. No matter how much you like discount your software and how much, how favorable you make it for them, how much, you know, the way of materials you, um, you provide to help like support them go about doing that job. You know, so much of the time they won't want to do that job in the first place because in their heads they're weighing the kind of okay there's this upside the product might help i might get this additional kind of revenue fine but the downside risk is what if it goes wrong you know and my client has a bad experience there i might i might lose the client now that may be like a completely you know imagined risk it may never come to pass but nonetheless you know it doesn't matter how likely it is or how kind of um you know, realistic it is, the fact that it's in an accountant's head, you know, when they're thinking about that kind of situation of proactive recommendation. And so that's the that's the huge challenge of the kind of, you know, the, the client versus customer mindset. And it presents for accountants as a channel is beyond that kind of seven client edge. And unless you're a product that they, you know, that an accountant uses in delivering whatever service, you know, getting them to go out and like proactively kind of recommend your product is, is just, you know, it is, like is a really tough trade-off for them versus you know the overall kind of open-ended fee revenue that they have in their mind as being at risk in the event that that recommendation and then being seen to have like pushed and sold software for their own benefit doesn't work out well. I know you've been kind of hinting at that through your um, your blog that you've been releasing, uh, which is uh, is it called Starting Up Again? Is that correct? It is, yeah. Yeah, and um, there was, admittedly, uh, I've been following that. I've been following your, your journey um, and um, getting hints at what you've, uh, I guess, um, been working on. But there was one I, I wanted to um, make some reference to because it, it was talking about the accounting profession or professional services, um, I guess, sure. as, as a whole. Um, and there was a few quotes I picked out on it that um, I found like, really, I guess, interesting, potentially quite controversial. Um, so I'm going to run through a few of these and then maybe it's something we could, we could talk through if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, great. Um, so um, I'll just pick some of these. So there's one that says uh, today's professional service firms are a legacy of the guilds of the mid 19th century. Um, we've got the grand bargain being that agreement between you know the professional and, and the client yeah. um, has become one sided and eye wateringly expensive. Yeah. We've got professional service firm partners are the most expensive account managers in history. I thought that was quite a nice controversial one. Um, and then professional services are antiquated. They're very rigid in their delivery. Um, and they're quite opaque. Now, I think some of those we can definitely get on board with, um, but, you know, they're quite punchy at the accounting profession. So, obviously, you're, you're qualified. You've already, you've already gone through that, very qualified, and you've built an app. So you've, I guess, through your experience, um, seen different sides of this. You've worked with accountants, you've worked in accountancy, and it's made some quite interesting opinions come through. Do you want to kind of elaborate on how that's come about? Okay, so, so that's from um, a post on starting up again i think it was post number seven which is uh, titled the emancipation of expert knowledge which is very much my um my kind of jerry Maguire mission statement 
um, hence the the kind of um, you know the the colourful and um, sort of uh, provocative um, kind of perspectives within it. This is about this is sort of about the organisational infrastructure of professional services. I, I you know I'm quite fond of um, and and I cite it you know places within the blog as a you know as a thought experiment as a way of triggering first principles is a you know let's say an asteroid hit the earth and wiped out the entire infrastructure um of of today's you know professional services industry so you know all the organizations yeah. all of their ways of doing things but it didn't kill anyone you know all of the people and their intellectual capital you know remained and yeah. you were responsible for you know rebuilding the means of disseminating expert knowledge i think you know invariably the answer to that question is you know what do you you know to the answer well what do you build the answer is invariably something dramatically different to what is in place today because that's the point about you know the guilds and the grand bargain you know our today's professional services industry you know is a legacy of the industrial revolution um you know and and kind of the the professions um within inverted commas it got supersized for kind of globalization and it's when you know it, it's when knowledge and expertise needed to live in in people's heads and yes they might document it in books but they would learn it from books and then yeah. you know, that expertise would would be in different people's heads it's never had a fundamental kind of ground up rethink for the internet era in a way that you know you take kind of taxis or pre-prepared food delivery you know you ask that same asteroid hit the earth question the answer doesn't look that different to it uber or that different delivery yeah it looks slightly different because everyone would do things slightly differently with the benefit of hindsight um but you you apply that to professional services and expert knowledge i think it looks it looks unimaginably um kind of different and so you know that's the kind of guilds and the grand bargain point and then you know comments like you know professional service partners you know it's it's mad in a way when you think about it that you've got the most kind of senior technical practitioners are also responsible for account management and you know i as a client have to you know i have to hire one of these account managers for all of these idiosyncratic disciplines of accounting tax law corporate finance i mean even have to have separate partner account managers <laughs> you know within within the same professional service firm you know within different partners of that that's mad to me right yeah, like yeah. what i want well, is i want i want my experts who have the knowledge and then i want someone with the kind of octopus arms to you know to connect and account manage that in for me and, and you know when you kind of step back at it and you look at all its constituent parts you think god if i had that blank canvas which is i guess the you know the luxury yeah. that you have as an entrepreneur if i had that blank canvas and it's kind of like, well i sort of do have the opportunity to have that blank canvas i do things so drastically differently and then you kind of say, well, okay, cool. Well, then why do don't you? I suppose my, my question really is sort of in a, a roundabout sort of playing the devil's advocate role. And, you know, accountants are very much guilty of doing the same as we've always done. And so, you know, the asteroid hits the earth. What, what stops every accountant or 90% of accountants just doing the same as they've always done and actually changing the way that they, they deliver their services and consider their clients, their customers? Look. And I think, you know, that's the, um, you know, that's the age old challenge, right? Like there's, you know, there's one like why now disruptive moment that that kind of happens and comes along and it's sort of, you know, the old, um, the idea of a, you know, black swan event. No one's seen a black swan until you see one and then lo, lo and behold, it, um, it exists. I think, um, you know, I think there's a bunch of, factors which come together which means you know this isn't going to be a switch that flicks it's kind of like you know the idea of the 10-year overnight success story um you know which like for someone like zero is to people for now like oh yeah i keep seeing this zero you know they've come out of nowhere and in actual fact it's like well no, no i you know they've been around like plowing away for kind of 15 years it's the idea of a skyscraper it's only you know only becomes visible when it's um kind of surpass the the sort of the height of the buildings around it um so it won't be you know a switch that flicks but i think there are a combination of um you know factors at play now in terms of 
you know advancements in like the technological enablers in terms of the advancement of, of kind of processing power and yes it stands on top of um the giants of kind of cloud accounting and that and the prevalence there you know when it comes to, to kind of us um and transfer pricing you know advancements in um in machine learning as well um but you know it, it's not just about where the technology is there's the, the human factors at play and i think the the kind of I mean, it's really easy, you know, everyone just says, well, the pandemic and COVID. And so that's, you know, that's my thing for why now um, it's going to change everything. But I think, you know, if you look at what that that blank canvas feature would be, you wouldn't have these huge, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of monolithic organisations. You'd have kind of, you, you turn the like technology that gets applied to, you know, great effect in kind of online dating to like you know matching you to an expert for your needs and matching experts in like micro teams and squads for the particular job um and you know i think like that's what that future should look like and the trends of the pandemic right with people wanting flexible work wanting the ability to work remotely which like you know you look at how software engineers have that with their work right like you know go kind of work from other anywhere and kind of get involved. why can't why can't a human expert have that right why can't like the person who is the most knowledgeable on the like uk south korean double tax treaty like you know why can't they leverage that and go and like work from ever and productize you know productize their knowledge why can't they be a platform that helps them do that and then you know matches them with teams and you know kind of i think blockchain will be a really important um technology in terms of you know there's not going to be like well famous last words but I, I don't see a scenario where there's like a mayday coin but i mean like the actual kind of underlying blockchain technology rather than the kind of um you know, the more sort of cryptocurrency noise element of it but that blockchain is a like trust system and a way of you know enabling you to see who's developed that knowledge who's worked on that particular project you know all of that leads kind of away from like just the huge fat that's involved of work, you know, level of fat that's involved in working with a big professional services firm to kind of get a piece of advice because you know, they're the only ones who have the economies of scale to provide it. I think, you know, you turn that on its head and it's like, okay, you, you have a technology platform to just kind of take away all the fat, right? Take away all the client take on the information gathering and the documentation and the standardization of that. And then it's just about like the, the human experts kind of applying and, and leveraging um their knowledge right like you know to go back to um the point about how antiquated it is right like there's no you know there's no one-to-many delivery in expert knowledge today which is ridiculous when you think about it like it's rooted in this idea that no two client you know no two client situations are the same and yeah maybe no two client situations are 100 percent the same but like, you know, let's say you have like 10 tech startups who are expanding from the UK into the US. Are you telling me that like there is no crossover with any of their situations? That's nonsense. I would, yeah. you know, bet good money that like 90% of the work is the same. You know, it's a sort of first principles transformation, right? So it won't be, okay, the existing firms changing their behavior. It will be a kind of incremental transformation to something that looks, I guess, as different to... You know getting attacked you know using uber looks to the old ways of, of getting a taxi or frankly i think you know maybe even significantly more yeah and i guess that leads into uh, what you've been working on and i know you compared it um the accounting profession seed as you just said to delivery i think you much must have a much better delivery experience than i've had um <laughs> <laughs> because yeah i've not had the best deliverer experience so far but it does make turn us on to what you are releasing now and um i'm very interested to hear so please give us um you know an overview because it's going to be coming out i guess over time give us an overview of what what's coming sure so i mean it's sort of um you know as lao Tzu said journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step like i you know just like huge dreams and aspirations for like what the future of expert knowledge could and should look like where we are starting um you know to combine revenues of the big four for example 160 billion dollars you don't build something that transforms that element of the professional services industry by trying to do everything that they do on day one you find a slice that lends itself really well to 
um, kind of transformative delivery through tech in the same way as, you know, it's very easy to forget that Amazon only sold books for the first four years um, that they are in this world. Um, and so where we are, um, where we're starting is transfer pricing, um, which is the, the, um, the pricing of, of intercompany transactions for, for tax purposes, um, at the, basically intra-group recharges. Um, our first product is, um, is <coughs> an accounting system. We'll, we'll start with zero, um, but, but in due okay. course, you know, other accounting systems are integrating products to help businesses automate the process of uh, calculating and processing um, their, um, their intra-group recharges to, to do for that as a process what, what Zero and others have done for filing the VAT return. Because I remember my first move um, out of practice using Sage Line 50, the VAT return each quarter was like half a day to a full day's worth of work. Where it, and it blew my mind when I came to Zero. It's like, what? This is now five to 10 minutes and I just have to review and make sure everything's all right and then press OK. The, the same should be possible for um, intergroup uh, kind of recharges. So, so Mayday Recharger um, is a product to do just that. And we're, um, we're aiming to get a, a, a kind of a, a sellable product live by Christmas. We just um, completed a round of, of demo feedback um, from, um, from a group of fantastic, fantastic, um, incredibly well This is John, isn't it? This um, is John. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> up to it. Um, kind of, um, of, of testers. Um, including no less than, than John Toon himself, um, which has been fantastic. So we're feeling, you know, really good about the, the sort of shape. We're in lots more, um, you know, lots more stuff to, to kind of uh, think about and refine. But in terms of core concept, um, we're in really good shape with that. So now we're kind of motoring ahead. We've just found a, a freelance engineer um, who we're going to start working with next week, which can help us uh, accelerate on the product development side of things, which is great. Um, to hopefully have that product live by, uh, by Christmas. And then the second product next year will be around, I guess, the actual kind of professional advice of transfer pricing. Because what we're building with Mayday Recharger is, a, is the operation the of transaction uh, region recharge. Um, yeah, exactly. The transactional part. We'll move to the front end of that with the actual advice and policy design um, towards the, the kind of the, the middle of next year. Um, okay. And then, you know, huge opportunities off the back of that around, you know, we can move up market with transfer pricing, move across into other areas of um, of expanding internationally. Um, but yeah, we're um, our first slice uh, of expert knowledge is um, is transfer pricing and yeah the the, the pricing of intercompany transactions for tax purposes, which um, yeah, which is great. And I think there's a huge opportunity for that there's a really like underserved market at the startup um, kind of SME end where there's a solution that they need that that doesn't exist right now. Um, and yeah, on a, you know, if nothing, like just as a side, like it's a real kind of, um, I guess, personal victory for me, because like one of the, um, one of the things you resign yourself to when you, when your first business is a, um, is a credit control startup is that you'll, um, you'll never start a more sexy business. Um, <laughs> but um, with, with True. the pricing and the, the pricing of intercompany transactions, I yeah. think I, I may just have done it. Yeah, you've really, you've really made this sexy. Um, I can't wait to see it, David. And um, you know, given given the massive success that that Chase has had and how you built that up, I think there's going to be lots of people that um, you know that want to hear more. But thank you for coming on. You've taken us through this entire journey. I think we've really got a, a good feeling of how you've you know you've come to um, this crux of building up your second um, massive product. Um, if people want to, I guess, find more, you know, find out more. Um, you know, or, or, or kind of get signed up for um, the new product when it's released. How do they go about that? How do they go about talking to you? Sure. Um, great stuff. So um, in terms of the, the product itself, um, if they visit getmayday.com, uh, so www.getmayday, all one word, .com, um, and I'll provide a link, which, which hopefully can be somewhere uh, in the info uh, around the show going out. Um, and then the blog starting up again is on hosted on a platform called Substack. Um, if people go to my LinkedIn profile, David Tuck, there are plenty, plenty, uh, more than enough links to it on there. Brilliant. Well, thanks again, David. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. 
So I think that wraps up today's pod. Um, lots of stuff going on in the app news and the fundraisers that we talked about. Uh, excellent uh, to hear from David Tuck and to, to listen to his story uh, and great interview there, Ryan. Thank you very much. And um, hopefully that new little bit where we had a bit of a rant about the practice world and, and what it's like to be an accountant um, whetted your appetite for something else in the future. Uh, as always, we really, really appreciate you uh, providing any feedback um, and we encourage you to do so. Make sure you do subscribe, make sure you download our future pods and look out for them. Um, just in case you want to get in ho hold of any of us, um, Ryan, where can we get a hold of you? Uh, best place to always find me is on uh, LinkedIn. I am on Twitter at Ryan N. Piercy, but yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn if you ever, you ever want to chat. Thanks, Ryan. And Indy, where can we get a hold of you? LinkedIn, Indy Tatler, um, best place for me, and then Twitter at Indivere. Super, thank you very much. And if you want to get a hold of me, again, LinkedIn is the place to be for me. Check me out, John Toon. Um, and if you're really desperate and you want to see me moan about stuff, uh, check my Twitter out. It's John underscore Toon. Thanks very much. That wraps it all up. Uh, and I think it's bedtime for all of us because it's pretty late now here in the UK and even later in Barcelona. So thank you very much for listening and goodbye.